The Korean War ran from June 25th of 1950 until July 27th of 1953. During that time, almost 104,000 Americans were wounded and almost 37,000 Americans were killed. I'm Thomas Carroll. Join me while we take a look back at the forgotten faces from a forgotten war. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Forgotten Faces podcast. Uh, today, we are going to welcome the wonderful Susan Key. She is a Korean-American writer, Korean War historian, and advocate for the Korean War veterans and Gold Star families. Uh, she has devoted her time to making known the heroes and history of the Korean War, which is often referred to as the Forgotten War. So, hello, Susan. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm really honored to oh, share. Oh, thank you. Uh, so I guess we'll just start off if you want to tell everybody a brief story uh, of your your family's past and your past because you were you're a, a Korean. So yes. And how you got here. Right. Well, I was born in Korea after the Korean War, but my parents experienced the Korean War. So my dad was uh, about the age of a lot of the Korean War veterans who were fighting the war. Uh, he was uh, at that time 18 years old and my mom was only nine. So they had very different experiences from their perspective just because of their age. But there's also because geographically they're from different parts of Korea. So my dad's family is from North Korea. His family had lived in Pyongyang, North Korea which is the capital of North Korea for many generations. And uh, there were two things against them that marked them as enemy of the communists that took over. So for those of you who are not familiar, uh, the North Korean communist dictator Kim Il-sung was installed there by the Russians, uh, by uh, Joseph Stalin, as he was trying to expand communism into North Korea. So uh, when Kim Il-sung took over in 1948, uh, life became drastically painful for two kinds of people or people who fit two categories. My grandfather and his family fit two categories. Uh, they were large landowners and also Christian. And communism is absolutely against those two kinds of classes. Uh, so what happened was my grandfather lost all of his land and he had quite a sizable amount of land in Pyongyang. He lost it overnight. And his house was big enough to be a high school. Uh, so they turned it into some kind of a school and also, after they lost all of their uh, livelihood, uh, then there was persecution that started against Christians. And what was happening in North Korea was that the communists would, uh, soldiers would come when people were at worship or prayer service, lock down the church and burn it to the ground. And so people died as martyrs, uh, you know, burning uh, in these churches and they were killed alive. So when this was happening all over North Korea, and people don't know that uh, in North Korea, there were a lot of churches uh, uh, before the Korean War. You would never know, right? Because right now it is devoid of religion. That's how communist rule is that the, the ruler is the God that people have to bow down to. There's no religious freedom. So anyway, uh, my grandfather decided uh, he needed to get out of North Korea and get his family out. So uh, at that time in 1949, which was a year before the war, the, the line between North and South Korea was not too difficult to cross. There, it wasn't heavily mined. So they just escaped on foot with some guides that helped them through hills and mountains. And so they all made it down to South Korea. 
And then they met at a church called Yongnak Presbyterian Church, where it had been set up as a refuge for North Koreans. It was actually a church set up by North Koreans who had escaped North Korean Christians. So that's where the family all eventually united. And then uh, they struggled to live with really nothing, uh, you know, except the clothes on their back. And then the war started uh, fairly soon. So then my dad uh, joined the South Korean uh, Republic of Korea's army and he fought alongside Americans. Uh, he was actually at attached to the third infantry division of the US army and he fought throughout the duration of the war. So my dad absolutely has uh, a firsthand experience of the war. I've heard some stories from him and we absolutely understand what we had been saved from you know, that kind of communist tyranny of North Korea, especially because of my dad's uh, family's experience of losing everything under communism. Uh, now, my mom's side of the story, she's, she was born in South Korea. I mean, South Korea was never taken over by communists until they invaded. So they didn't really have their lives altered like my, uh, my dad's side. Uh, all she saw was that they invaded and then the Chinese communists started coming down in, in March. And I'll just share one short story of something she remembers. Sure. Um, she uh, remembers a day when she was on foot escaping with her family, you know, with their belongings on their back and pushing a cart, trying to get out from the Chinese communists that were coming down to Seoul. And she heard a buzzing of a plane overhead. And she looked up and saw an American star. And when she saw that American star, she thought, wow, the good people are here to save us. And you know, those are very simple statements or sentiments, but very powerful and true. And to me, it's still true that Americans still go out to fight and die for another people's freedom. And that's something she's never forgotten. And I think a lot of people who are young or Koreans who saw these Americans, brave Americans come to save them is something they will never forget. So, you know, the Korean War is always thought of as the forgotten war. It's not forgotten to people in Korea who experienced the war. You know, that's something I really want to make clear is that there's an older generation of Koreans who absolutely will never forget what is owed to America. Um, so that's my mom and dad story. Wow. That's, uh, that's a harrowing journey, to say the least, especially getting out of North Korea just in the nick of time. Right. It really is. Right. Um, and then you... Uh, after the war, when you were born, later on, yes. you uh, you guys immigrated to the United States, mm -hmm. and you went. You actually went to UCLA, and then you worked as let's see here, uh, project manager in the corporate world. Yes. So, um, so what what got you started then yourself on? Uh, history and wanting to write about the Korean War. Well, you know, it's amazing. God can totally change your life in a totally different direction. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Uh, I got kind of corporate burnout. You know, I was kind of sick and tired of the corporate politics, middle management stuff. And I just thought, what is the purpose of my life? This doesn't give me joy. I don't feel like it has any meaning or fulfillment. And I thought I had, I had achieved the American dream. You know, people think of American dream as materialistic. And I had thought that too, but then it didn't give me happiness. So I just, I, I left my corporate job and I decided, you know what? I'm gonna have to figure out my life passion and what I'm here on earth for. So I prayed and after a lot of soul searching, I realized God was telling me, do something about what you're most grateful for. 
And then I realized, wow, I'm most grateful I'm not in North Korea. <laughs> you know, I know what my life could have been, you know, under the thumb of that crazy Kim. And I thought, wow, and who do I owe this to? And I thought, oh my gosh, of course, it's our American Korean War veterans. I've been living in their country. They could have been my neighbors. They could have been my coworkers' fathers. Uh, how could I not have realized this debt I owe to them? It was just like, it was like a huge epiphany. And I thought, well, I'm a Korean. I should have realized this earlier. So I decided to uh, contact Korean War veterans. And there's a lot of Korean War veterans chapters here in Arizona. And I just called them and I said, can I just come and meet you? I just want to thank you. I, I just come to this really late in life, but I just want to come and meet you and thank you. And they said, yes, sure. And so I went to my first meeting and I was a mess. I was so emotional. I think I just cried. I couldn't even get words out. It was just so emotional. I thought, wow, these veterans are 80 years old. You know, this was 10 years ago. They were 80 then. Today, they're like 90 plus years old. But they had their walkers and canes and wheelchairs. And I thought, wow, I have missed knowing these heroes earlier. I, I thought, wow, I hope I'm not too late. But these veterans were so... Um, so uh, gracious and so open-hearted and they all came up to me and said oh we're so happy to see you and they started telling me stories and giving me photos you know and they were telling me about places in korea i never even knew you know i even wow. only knew seoul they, they're telling me things like Ujongbu and Busan and Incheon. And I'm like, what are all these places? And Heartbreak Ridge, you know, this battle, that. And I'm like, I don't know any of this. And I felt so embarrassed that they knew more about Korea than I did. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, they even had a Korean flag, a Korean flag at their chapter meeting. And I thought, wow, how humbled do I feel? These great Americans, you know, almost, you know, these, these veterans risk their lives. And there they are honoring my birth country. I owe so much to these veterans, even just for that recognition that they still care about Korea after the hell they went through. You know, this was not an easy war. No. Um, so I was just so humbled and so grateful to them. And they became my best friends. And I would go every month and they would just sit down and tell me stories. And I thought, you know what, I better interview them uh, and uh, learn from them as much as I can and then pass it on. And that's going to be my way of thanking them and making sure their legacy is not forgotten. You know, I don't want these veterans to be forgotten and what they did. So I just started interviewing them and thought I was going to write a book, but then I decided, you know what, I think I better put it on social media. I'll reach more people. So I started sharing a lot of uh, veteran stories and researching the Korean War and putting it out there. And, and I didn't know if people would be interested. Uh, so I started that in 2014. Uh, yeah, and you, I've seen your posts before I even started this podcast mm -hmm. and follow a lot of them. They're very, I can tell you're very passionate about it. So, well, I, you know, I, I started it for a couple of reasons. One, I just wanted America to hear gratitude from Korean people. You know, they need to hear gratitude from the people they sacrifice so much to save. It's one thing for Americans to thank veterans that served abroad, but it's not the same as the people who you fought for coming back to you and saying thank you. And that's what I felt that I had a responsibility as a Korean person with a Korean face with the legacy of my family having been saved by Americans. And then also to educate America and Koreans. You know, there's a lot of Koreans in America that don't know anything about the Korean War. I didn't know anything either. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I just got to educate everyone and make sure people understand and appreciate what these veterans did. Yeah, and if you'd asked me 
15 years ago, I don't know if I could have even found Korea on a map. Yeah. Until I started started researching myself. Well, I am so grateful to you because you had such a curiosity uh, because of your grandfather who served in yes. the Korean War and you started this pro- uh, podcast. And I just really have to commend you for that. This takes a lot of work and devotion. And I just wish you all the best. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be sharing so much of the forgotten hero stories and educating so many people out there. So I totally encourage you and I'm so happy to see you do this work. And I welcome anyone who wants to help, you know, the public understand more about the Korean War. So you're an important part of that too. Thank you. And it's it's so interesting and it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable because I've always been a history nut myself anyway. Yeah, Um, and you know, actually, this is not work for me. I mean, I dreaded going to my corporate job. I love this every day, talking to veterans and researching Korean War. I I just absolutely love it. This is absolutely what I needed to do. And I'm so grateful for the the change that God made in my life. That's that's great. So we were we were talking just before we started, we were gonna tell one of your favorite stories. Yes. So we decided on uh, Peter Griffin, who was a paratrooper. Uh, yes, actually, uh, Peter Griffin is the living brother. John Griffin is the paratrooper that was killed. I'm sorry, I needed to clarify that. Oh, no, that's okay. Yes. That was me not making very clear notes. No, that's okay. I think <laughs> I maybe gave you the wrong name. So John T. Griffin was the paratrooper with the 187th Regimental Combat Team. Uh, and he was actually killed uh, March 25th, 1951, which was yesterday, 71 years ago. And uh, there is quite a powerful story to this. Uh, if you, uh, I guess, if you, if I could share that with you, I'll show you the picture. Certainly. Um, okay. So here is a post that I had put on my Facebook page, and you'll see the first picture here is of Mr. Peter Griffin in South Korea on a hill, approximately where his brother, John T. Griffin, in that portrait, was killed on March 25th, 1951. March 25th, 1951 was Easter Sunday. Uh, These paratroopers were dropped on Good Friday, and two days later, he was killed. And from everything that we have researched, on the night of the March 25th, Easter Sunday, it was rainy, it was muddy. They were fighting in these hilly areas where you couldn't see anything at night. They were fighting against Chinese communists and um, nine paratroopers lost their life in this particular area along with John T. Griffin. But I'll go back a little bit to how we got here. Um, So this was in 2018, April, that I and Mr. Griffin and uh, some other uh, families, Gold Star families, made their voyage to Korea. Uh, But his story really starts when he was four years old, Mr. uh, Peter Griffin that's kneeling there. When he was four years old, he remembers a steel casket being rolled into his living room. And that was his older brother that he absolutely admired and loved so much, being rolled in in a casket from Korea. And so they were having a wake in their house and he was shocked. He didn't know what to think of it. All they said was John's in there and he was killed in Korea. So he went up to the casket, he told me, and he touched the cold steel of that casket and he said to him, John, are you in there? What happened to you? I'm gonna get those guys. 
I'm going to go fight them. And as a four-year-old who absolutely idolized this amazing young man, a brave paratrooper who went to Korea, never expected to be talking to his brother that way. And so um, Mr. Griffin grew up and uh, he became a paratrooper himself and uh, followed in the footsteps of his brother. And he fought in Vietnam. And he was also very highly uh, uh, decorated. I think he's a bronze star, Mr. Griffin. So anyway, fast forward, Mr. Griffin is somebody I met through my Facebook page. And he said, my brother was killed in Korea. And I said, oh, I am so sorry. You know, I, I'm so heartbroken. And I, I kept in touch with him. And, and, and I found out that there was a trip to Korea for families uh, who lost loved ones. And I said, Mr. Griffin, would you like to go to Korea? He said, I would love to. And, I, and he said, Susan, can I, can I ask you something? Do you think we could find that hill where my brother was killed? And I said, you know what? If God wills it, it will happen. Let's try. So I contacted a colonel I know, a U.S. Army colonel that lives in Korea. He wrote multiple books on the DMZ. And so he knows this DMZ area. This is by the demilitarized zone, right by the 38th parallel that separates North and South Korea. So I, I contacted Colonel Tharp and I said, can you help us find where this hero might have been killed? You know, he was brought home, but his brother's lifelong wish is to see where his brother was. And I did ask Mr. Griffin, why do you want to go to go to that place? You know, it might be very painful for you. He said, I just want to see what my brother last saw before he died. It just absolutely broke my heart. So uh, so with uh, Colonel Tharp's uh, help, he did a lot of research on mapping, you know, Korean War maps and Google Earth. And he even scouted out this place a couple of times before we came. He lives in Korea and he took us out there. And uh, so... This is him driving us over to the area and over some hilly areas. And here's some maps that he had done research on. And actually it was really hard to go up and down. Maybe it's because I'm a woman, but I can't imagine these guys fighting this hill at night with all these trees and in the way and, and mud and water and, and rain. I just cannot imagine how they could have seen anything to fight. Um, so this is a really dense area and and we think it's approximately around this area. And what's interesting is this is actually like a little grave uh, cemetery. Uh, now, these are Koreans that are buried there, but we thought, wow, this is kind of a peaceful area now where these people rest, but they do they know of the Americans that shed their blood there? And uh, so we went and we set up on this one hill that looked beautiful under this tree, his portrait that he had received from the Korean government. This portrait was presented to the families that went on the Korea trip to honor their loved one. And uh, we took that there and we placed the American flag and we said a prayer. And uh, I cannot tell you how um, incredibly emotional this was for him and for me. You know, can you imagine? I am alive because his brother died and saved my family. There's a very direct connection between Gold Star families and I. It is not something I feel is somebody else's loss. It is a directly something they sacrificed so that I could have my life. And uh, uh, you know, what's really incredible is when I was standing on that hill, I almost felt the blood rushing under my feet of these paratroopers that had given their blood and their life for me to stand there as a free South Korean. So, you know, when I go uh, to Korea now, knowing of heroes like uh, John Griffin and all these Korean War veterans who tell me where they fought. When I look upon hills and mountains, I kind of see their faces. 
you know, I don't see landscape. I see these American heroes' faces when I look upon Korea because their sacrifice was made there and they fought on those hills and mountains for us. So, um, so knowing veterans and Gold Star families has totally changed how I see my own country that I was born in. Wow, and I can see there in the pictures, it's, it's beautiful, which I will share these on, on the blog as well. Mm -hmm. um, now you mentioned uh, Gold Star families. Yes. So for anybody who might not know what a Gold Star family is, uh, maybe if you could tell us uh, briefly what it is. I actually had to look it up myself uh, yes. a couple of days ago. I Yes. A uh, Gold Star family is a, a category of families who have lost loved ones in a war. So uh, it could be a brother, a mother, a father of the hero, or children. Uh, but usually immediate family is referred to as Gold Star family. So Mr. John, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Peter Griffin is a Gold Star family member because he's a sibling of a fallen hero from uh, a war. So that Gold Star family designation is for every war, you know, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. Uh, so that's the, the terminology. I'm so glad that you asked that because I, I take these terminologies for granted and I didn't know what they meant either before. <laughs> <laughs> you know, only because of veterans and families, I've learned all these things. So I, yeah. I, I guess I'm starting to take it for granted too. Absolutely, yeah, I had never, I had never noticed before I had to look it up myself. But, right. Um, so that kind of leads into you do a a ton of work as well for POW MIAs, which there's what seven thousand some uh, MIAs yet from the Korean War. Seven thousand. Right. So, uh, so let me share a couple slides. I did a presentation recently to another group, and maybe the the uh, diagrams might help. So let me see if I can get there and get you to this topic. Okay. Okay, so this is my Facebook page for those of you uh, who may be interested in checking it out. Uh, I am so grateful for everyone who has interest in the Korean War. It's taken a long time to build an audience, but you know, I am so grateful for every one of them who has an interest. Um, this is just a, a quick slide I wanted to show of when the Korean War occurred. It occurred when the North Korean communists invaded South Korea on June 25th, 1950, and it lasted until June 27, 1953. Uh, Three-year war, but huge amount of casualties. Uh, I'll go right to that. Um, 36,000 Americans were killed, over 8,000 became missing. And uh, today there's roughly still 7,675 unaccounted for. And 5,300 of them are in North Korea. And I'll show you a map. You know, these are all POW camps they had during the war. And you know, oh, right goodness. here is the border of North Korea and China. This is the Yalu River right here, where my mouse is mm -hmm. at. And uh, so the POW camps were intentionally put way north so that it didn't give any hope for these pr prisoners to escape uh, you know, and, and get away. I even if they did escape, they would be caught and you know, easily identifiable as non-Korean and thrown back. And so a lot of the POWs that I've interviewed told me that they didn't even you know, think to escape. And of course they were starved practically to death. So, so many were starved to death and they didn't have the energy or the strength to even try to escape you know, this long path to South Korea. Right, and the terrain up there is just brutal terrain even. Yes, it's very mountainous, through. yes. 
So let's talk about the POWs and uh, we want to talk about the POWs and MIAs. So right now, this is where our missing in action are in North Korea. So about 5,300 are still missing. A lot of them are in POW camps where they died of starvation or injuries not being uh, cared for. Uh, there was no medical treatment whatsoever, if you can imagine that. This was the, these were not POW camps by standard conventions of war where you treat POWs with a certain standard of, you know, uh, meals or health, you know, just medical treatment, none whatsoever. They were totally starved to death. There was no medical treatment. These were really death camps. These were death camps. They were just taken there to die pretty much. And, and so, so many died uh, in the prison camps. And so they're buried somewhere along the POW camps there. Uh, these are some battle sites that happened uh, where there were some large casualties at Battle of Unsan, Kunuri. And then on the right, Chosun Reservoir is another big battle area where the Marines and the 7th Infantry of the Army were fighting against Chinese, uh, 10 divisions of Chinese communists. And then there were some cemeteries where the, 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 those that were killed were buried, but then they were not brought out. So this is a really difficult situation for families who have lost loved ones that are still in North Korea. And with you know Crazy Kim holding them hostage, even after he has killed them, uh, these families have very little hope. And these are some of the families. Uh, I meet them in Washington, DC. They have a meeting every year where the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency briefs them on uh, their uh, efforts to recover are missing and identify them. And as you can see, there is just a lot of exasperation and hopelessness on the faces of these families. Some of them are uh, this lady here in the front, she's, uh, Lois, Moore, uh, Lois Moore. She's actually a widow of a US Air oh. Force captain who was shot down. He was uh, flying a P-51 Mustang over, over Yellow River. He was shot down by MiGs and uh, he's still missing. This is his daughter he left behind. She was just a baby. You know, there's just so many stories of loss and sacrifice. Uh, so when I meet these families, it is just really indescribable how sorry I feel for their pain and how much they sacrifice so that I can be there. So I, I go to these meetings to show them that I am grateful as a Korean person who has been saved by someone in their, in their family who has given their life. And uh, I go there to also learn their story so that I can become better advocates and educate people about the fact that there are families that are still fighting this war. Every day they wonder, what happened to my loved one? Was he in pain? Did he suffer? Where is he? Uh, you know, all these questions haunt them. So they have never left the Korean War behind as some can. If you have your loved ones returned home, they don't have that. Uh, but one thing I do want to talk about is something really amazing that happened in 2018. Uh, President Trump negotiated with uh, North Korea's dictator and was able to bring back uh, from North Korea 55 caskets of remains of Americans. These are all Korean War heroes that had died somewhere in North Korea 70 years ago. And in 2018, they were brought home and from the agency, uh, Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency, they tell us these 55 caskets represent about 210 heroes that they have yet to identify. But they're wow. matching uh, their DNA of these families to these bones. Uh, and one of them is a family I know. This is Major Storms. He was in one of these caskets. Uh, this is Major Storms. He, he was a US Army um, 
Texas A&M graduate, Corps Cadets. Uh, he had fought under Patton in World War II in Italy and North Africa. He was a commander of a battalion trying to break out of the Battle of Chosin in North Korea, and he was killed. And he had left behind four, four young sons. Uh, one was yet to be born. And uh, this was his family when it, he went off to Korea. So he had three young sons and uh, she was pregnant. And so the, the, the baby boy that was born after he was killed or went missing, never knew his father. And so, you know, this is really what sacrifice looks like to me. You know, I, I have no words. Uh, I have no actions that will ever match what they have sacrificed for me. And so uh, I have the honor of knowing this beautiful family and we went to bury him at Arlington last July. This is his beautiful military honors funeral. And uh, this is his four brothers here you see on the left. Uh, I'm sorry, his four young sons who are now wow. in their seventies and above, you know, it's been over 70 years. And uh, this is Mr. Sam Storms, the oldest uh, son. And, uh, you know, it is, they're so grateful. They're such a gracious family. They said, you know, we never expected him to be found, but we never lost hope. And we always prayed for his return. And they, they thank God for this miraculous return that they never expected. And so um, I was there. And uh, this is a, a major general of the South Korean military defense attache. Uh, he's attached to the Korean embassy in Washington, DC. And he came out to pay respects to this American hero. And the only reason I show this picture is I want people to see the direct relationship between American sacrifice and Koreans living in freedom. That major general and I are just two people of millions of Koreans who live in freedom because of this hero. And uh, so that's the only reason I show that picture. And uh, it was the most incredible honor. And it continues to be an honor to know this amazing family. Uh, and they are so proud of their father, you know, despite all the pain they have suffered not having him in their life. I, I, I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't mm -hmm. even begin to imagine that. Right. That's, that's uh, a great and a heartbreaking story all at once. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm glad that he was returned, but there's so many still have yet to be returned. And hopefully that can be, hopefully that can be changed in the future. But. Right. And, you know, I share the story of major storms so that I, we can put a face to these 5,300 that are missing. Right. That's just one of 5,300 still missing in North Korea. But when you hear the story, you know, the pain becomes real, right? You know, you kind of have an idea of 5,300 people or those many heroes missing, but you hear a story and it just takes on another level of depth. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, so now you, you were also showing me pictures too here beforehand. We'll turn it in maybe a, a happier direction even mm -hmm. uh, of Korea today. Before oh, yes. and after okay. pictures of Korea right, today. So let's go there. Okay. Um, Actually, before we go to Korea today, I'd like to talk a little bit, one more thing about the fallen, something sure. that's very important that's coming up in July. And this is our Korean War Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C., as you know. 
And, you know, for the longest time, we just had these statues and the wall there of faces etched on the side of, you know, uh, troops that fought in Korea. But there was never a wall memorializing the 36,000 Americans who gave their life in Korea. You know, again, forgotten, right? I mean, these they, heroes have yes. been forgotten. Their names have never been out there. Well, we're going to change that in July. There's going to be a wall of uh, remembrance uh, dedicated in July 27, 2022. And right now, they're actually installing these uh, engraved panels of names of these heroes. And so these families will finally get the uh, honor and recognition for their loved one's sacrifice. So we are expecting a very large dedication ceremony, uh, somewhere between 5,000 to 10,000 people. I'm currently helping on the planning committee and uh, they will actually live stream from the site, the entire dedication ceremony. So I'll share that with you, Thomas, if you wanna share that with your audience and they'll yes. be able to watch the entire dedication. And this will probably be very historic and something uh, probably nothing else will match the magnitude of this uh, happening in July. So I wanted to make sure that people know about it. And if there's families out there that are listening to this who are Gold Star families, uh, please go to KoreanWarVetsMemorial.org and look for this information and please register or uh, put in an interest form so that you can be invited. So uh, we are trying to get as many Gold Star families uh, invited to this because this memorial is for them. It is for their loved one's sacrifice. And it will be a beautiful memorial so that these heroes are never forgotten. Um, so that's how the circular area is gonna look under there with the wall. Okay, so now I wanna to get to what you had asked. I'm sorry, I took a little detour. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. <laughs> so that perfect. people might ask, well, that was a lost war. The war ended exactly where we started. Uh, why does the Korean War matter? Well, I will give you a personal perspective. The Korean War mattered because communism was stopped in its tracks. North Korean communists tried to spread communism and take over all of South Korea. America, everyone who responded to stop that succeeded. They saved South Korea. I am sitting here across from you, Thomas, yeah. and I am the evidence of their victory. How could I be sitting here if South Korea was lost to communists? I wouldn't even know what the internet is. <laughs> yeah, just what the government tells you. Is, right. It. I would not have any freedoms that I have come to know and cherish every day. And so I want to show you, this is the really uh, kind of the before and after and the result of the Korean War. So this was Seoul all bombed out. This is the capital of South Korea. This is Seoul today. It is absolutely a miracle. This is a victory. I don't, I don't see how people could call this a lost war. And I, I hate it when people say that was a lost war. How could it be lost if I'm free? <laughs> That's true. It if, if, if we had lost it, I would be under communist thumb of Crazy Kim. Uh, this is uh, U.S. Marines, uh, First Marine Division fighting uh, if, in Seoul. Uh, they're trying to get Seoul back uh, after they made the Incheon landing. Uh, this is about September, end of September 1950. They're raising the American flag on the U.S. Embassy at the time. It's a Korean uh, building. And then here's Seoul today. This is Incheon where a famous amphibious landing took place. That was a huge victory in the Korean War that turned the tide of the war for the Americans. And this helped us push uh, communists out of, North Korea, uh, out of South Korea. 
And this was a very scary landing. They didn't know what to expect. They didn't know whether this would be like a Normandy, but here's Incheon today. Oh, I'll tell you a quick story here, actually. I know one of the uh, veterans who were on these landing crafts, Mr. Graham, and he was making this approach with his friend, Clyde Crean. They were from San Diego, Camp Pendleton, and they don't know what to expect here. All they are probably thinking is Normandy, right? In their minds, you know, that was five years before this during World War II, or I'm sorry, that was 1944, right? That was six years before this. Yeah. Anyway, so they made this landing and in 2013, we are about to land at Incheon Airport. We went to Korea together on a Korea revisit program that the Korean War vet, uh, veterans are honored and invited by the Korean government. So we were on a plane making our approach to Incheon, landing, uh, Incheon Airport. And I told Mr. Graham and Mr. Queen, Mr. Graham, did you ever think you would make another Incheon landing? This time by air, not by sea. <laughs> he started laughing. And then we came out here after we got our bags and he looked around this airport and he said, Susan, are you sure this is Seoul? Are you sure this is Incheon? Are you sure this is Korea? <laughs> he couldn't believe it. It was just dirt and everything was bombed out, you know, in 1950. And here we are in 2013. And I said, yes, sir, it is South Korea. This is what you saved and made possible for us. And he just about cried. Uh, he just could not even speak. And that is really the legacy of our Korean War veterans is this, this is what they made possible for us. You know, these heroes, this is what they fought to give us. And we can never thank them enough. This is Han River. A lot of their first Marines uh, actually crossed this river to get into Seoul uh, to fight uh, the communists and, and push the communists out. So they made this crossing during the war. This is the crossing, uh, I'm sorry, where is, uh, this is the crossing of the Han River. This is Han River today. Uh, back then during the war, there was only one bridge and it was bombed out. Today there's 29 bridges across wow. this. And I took this picture from top of a 123 story high building. And you could look across all of Seoul. And when you look at this spread out flourishing uh, city, I just thank God and I thank our American heroes. That is who I think for this. Yeah, it looks like LA. Oh, I actually it's much bigger than LA when you look around uh, in really? terms of the population, the density of population is I think like 12 million people in Seoul. It's amazing. And this is the building I went to the top of to take that picture. So I would highly recommend for anyone who traveled to Korea, check this out. This is a Lotte World Tower. Uh, it's only 20 bucks to go all the way to the top. And you could kind of look around all around panoramic view of Seoul. And it is absolutely incredible. And, uh, you know, our Korean War veterans have so much to be proud of. And uh, this is their legacy. Uh, so this is Pusan. Uh, this is where they all came in on the southern port when they arrived in Korea at the beginning of the war. This is Busan today. Absolutely a miracle. And uh, this is one thing I really want to emphasize here is, you know, it is not a forgotten war to me because, you know, our family lived through this and we have not forgotten the sacrifice of Americans. But it is also a forgotten victory. People think it was a lost war. It wasn't lost. Look at South Korea. Look at North Korea there in the dark and you see a little bit of light on Pyongyang right here. You see that? That's the only place yeah. that has any electricity at night. <laughs> so look at it's all lit up. And so this to me is really 
the difference between forces of darkness, which is communism, and forces of good in the world, which is democracy and freedom. And you know, today there's big companies like Hyundai, Samsung, LG, Kia. You know, people don't know during the war, people did not even know what cars looked like. We didn't have cars back then. You know, Americans had, you know, Studebakers or whatever they were, yeah. you know, driving. Uh, here, uh, Korea didn't know what cars looked like. We, we had carts we were pushing. We had animals uh, to do farming with. There was no machinery. And so the fact that Hyundai and Kia and Samsung are making these cars and uh, computers and TVs, is just really an incredible testament to our Korean War veterans and what they have allowed us to become. And uh, this is all thanks to America and American veterans and those families who gave their loved ones to fight for us and save us. So it is a forgotten victory. That's, that's well put. It's, uh, yeah, and nobody thinks about that. You just see the history books. It says mm -hmm. that they signed the armistice and, and that was that. But yeah, that's, that, that's an amazing transformation. Mm -hmm. um, so what's, what's next for Susan Key now? Let's talk about you. What's next well, for you? I don't like talking about myself too much <laughs> other than what I'm working on that is meaningful for other people. Uh, so this dedication ceremony I talked about at the Korean War Veterans Memorial, I'm working on that right now. And so we're inviting Gold Star families and Korean War veterans and uh, a huge delegate uh, delegation from Korea, you know, the Korean government, military, the South Korean president, uh, US president will be there. So this is going to be a massive ceremony. But really, this is really for the families who have never gotten recognition. And you know, your show, you said you, you want to highlight the forgotten heroes. These are the forgotten heroes, the guys who are, have gave their lives, the guys who are still missing in North Korea that have yet to come home. And so I really appreciate the title and the purpose of your podcast is to make people understand who these heroes were, that they were real people, that they were fathers or someone's brother, like, you know, Mr. Griffin's brother that, you know, he absolutely idolized and looked up to and didn't get to, you know, live their lives together, you know, side by side as brothers. He never got that and he lost out on that. So um, so I just wanna call attention to the fact that uh, this dedication will happen in July. And I am doing this out of my loving gratitude for these families. And uh, I wanna do everything I can to honor them appropriately uh, in July. And I hope it's really meaningful for them and brings them healing. Uh, even though they may not have their loved ones home, this wall of remembrance will be their gravestone. That's the only thing that marks their sacrifice and their loved one's name. You know, that is so important to give them that. So, um, so that's, I guess, what's literally next uh, for me. Uh, beyond that, every day, it's something God opens doors to, you know, like I didn't know who you were and you yeah. reached out to me on Facebook and I have this great opportunity to speak to your audience. So, Every day I just pray and I ask God, show me what you want me to do because this was his idea. I, I had no idea of Korean War. You know, I'm a very unlikely candidate. I'm a, I'm a woman. I mean, what I know about military, I'm not a veteran. I never uh, studied military history in my life. I didn't know a battalion from a division or a regiment. I mean, I, I had no idea. I didn't know what an M1 was <laughs> or a T-34 yeah. tank, a Russian <laughs> tank. But these are all things that veterans have really shared with me that I have just really uh, 
learn from because I want their experiences to matter and I want their experiences to be carried on and told. So uh, it's become really something I'm grateful to God for every day that I can do this. And I don't know what lies ahead other than what God may know. So I just, I just, uh, I just uh, look to God every day and uh, try to do what I know he wants me to do, which is to thank America and to thank these families and these veterans uh, who gave me my life. And uh, every day I'm grateful for my life. Excellent. And, and you do, you do such great work. Like I said, I follow your Facebook page. So, uh, well, well, thank you. It took a long time. I didn't know what I was doing when I started my Facebook. I didn't even know how to do Facebook. Actually, I had to learn that. And, uh, and, and you know, I think, you know, more of it, more history of Korean more than I do. Oh, it doesn't really matter. You know what? You know, this is why I wanted to do this podcast with you because I love the fact that you're you have a passion for this, and it doesn't matter when you start or where you start. It matters that you do it. You know, and uh, that Facebook page I have, yeah, sure, I may have a lot of people following me now, but you know, when I first started, I barely got one or two likes on any of my posts. (laughs) Nobody was looking at it, and I'm like, but I just kept on doing it because it's something I felt was important, and it didn't matter who who was looking, you know, it's something in my heart. It's something I want to do. And if other people recognize it and find it great, but I was going to do it anyway. And you're doing that too. Yeah. You're just starting out your podcast. Just starting. Yeah. This is yeah. The, and you're, you're doing it no guest. matter what, you know, and no matter what the audience size is, uh, I encourage you to keep at it because it's important. And uh, I so appreciate you know, just you're asking me to be on the show and share my story, but it's really, I hope I've shared more about the Korean War hero stories than my own, because without them, I'm not here. I don't have a story without them. Yeah. And that, that's just what's so amazing about it. So, uh, Susan, I thank you very much for your time. It was a wonderful, wonderful uh, conversation. And I will make sure to share all those pictures and links and everything on the blog when we release the episode. So thank you again so much. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. I just encourage you uh, to keep up the great work that you have started. And if there's anything I could do to help you, please let me know. And uh, God bless you for doing this. Uh, We certainly need people to know about the Korean War and to appreciate all the heroes that fought in it and gave their lives. I agree, and thank you. Thank you, Thomas. Take care. You too. Thank you. I would again like to thank Susan Keith for joining us on today's podcast. You can find her Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Susan Key Writer. You can also find her uh, biography, all the pictures she shared with me, and links at forgottenfacespodcast.wordpress.com. <laughs>